Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. It's time to get cozy in bed and listen to tonight's story. Our sleep story tonight is part two of the magic soap bubble. Ned has enjoyed his time so far in the land of the gnomes. He has seen some amazing things and eaten some amazing cake. The only problem is that when Ned drank the watermelon juice and ate the cake, it changed him in a way that he thinks cannot be undone. Ned didn't realize that eating the cake would make this happen, and now he has no idea how to change it back. The gnome has an idea, so they are heading out to see if they can find the solution. If you are laying down warm and secure in your bed, let's start with taking some deep belly breaths. If you aren't in bed yet, or maybe you are just taking some time to relax, that is okay too. Take a slow, deep breath in through your nose, as big a breath as you can, and as slowly as you can. Then slowly let the air out through your mouth. Try it again. Take a deep breath in, and let the air slowly flow out. Take a deep breath in, and now out. If you haven't already, consider closing your eyes, or you can look at a spot above you. Imagine you are lying on a fluffy white cloud. It lifts you off the ground and into the sky. You are free to float and relax. Let your body sink into the cloud. As you imagine yourself floating, continue to take deep belly breaths. If a worry comes into your mind, Just let it float away like all the clouds that are surrounding you. Continue using your imagination like this as long as you like, as we continue with part two of the Magic Soap Bubble. Ned and the gnome continued their journey down the valley, following the crystal stream in whose waters he had just a short time before seen his misshapen figure, until they came to a beautiful waterfall, down whose silvery sheen slid numerous water sprites and water fairies. Over yonder, exclaimed the gnome, lives the fairy of the lake, She brews a magic liquid from checkerberries, which, I am told, if you drink only a thimbleful, will enable you to regain your natural shape. 
There she goes now, over the bridge, on some such errand, I dare say. Ned watched the ferry stepping across the silver network which hung above the miniature Niagara that he could have easily spanned with a single step. Gathering up a handful of berries, he followed her, not listening to the gnome's remark that she would probably prefer to pick them herself, and almost stepping on some of the fairies who were blowing about in the long grass like the flowers they represented. He threw the berries in a heap at the door of her castle. It was indeed a most beautiful little palace, made of brilliant crystals, sparkled in the sun like a rainbow. Inside it was even more exquisite, for all her little subjects, the flower fairies and the woodland fairies, had adorned it with many lovely things. Ned stooped over and peeked in at the doorway. There was a bright light inside, which came from a little star suspended from the ceiling, the crystal walls on all sides reflecting the light with great brilliancy. Here and there were draped beautiful laces, no doubt spun by the spiders kept by the fairies for that purpose. Come, said the gnome, somewhat impatiently, as Ned's curiosity still held him at the little castle's doorway. Come away, or else the queen will not return. How is she going to enter if you block her entrance? Following his advice, Ned withdrew some little distance and stood watching the happy scene around him. Hundreds of insects were flying about and large winged butterflies fluttered over the flowers. On some he noticed tiny figures and others with blades of grass tied around the necks of robins, bluebirds, and golden orioles were also flying about in midair, while some sailed on the silver backs of fishes or floated in shells upon the water near his feet. Look, cried the gnome suddenly, here she comes. A half-horse chestnut with rose-leaf cushions mounted on four ivy-berry wheels and with four shining beetles for horses came driving up from the waterfall. Leaning back in her carriage sat the queen fairy, fanning her face with a fly's wing. The beetles came to a stand in front of the palace, and the queen, gathering up her white satin dress, stepped out. Instantly, numerous ladies-in-waiting jumped off their butterfly steeds and escorted her through the palace door. Ned cautiously peeked in again. The room was filled with fairies about as large as your thumb, dancing here and there and singing a low, sweet song. When they realized a person was gazing at them, they began to dance more slowly and soon stopped altogether. When the queen, looking about to discover the reason and catching sight of Ned's admiring face, exclaimed, No wonder you feel so faint, my little fairies, and that you stop your dancing. 
The hot air is pouring in upon us from a fiery furnace outside. Look here, my giant friend, she added, coming up to Ned. If you want to see how we live, you mustn't hold your mouth open with astonishment. Your breath is very hot to us little people. With that, the mischievous queen jumped quite unexpectedly on Ned's nose and gave it a sharp pinch. Don't cry, said the fairy in a cheery voice, the laughs falling from her like water drops from the cascade. I only wanted to let you know what I could do, but I am ready to be as polite as you wish. May it please your highness, intervened the gnome, who at this point squeezed himself through Ned's legs and entered the door, to give my big friend a drop of your crystal nectar in order that he may regain his boyish shape again? The queen fairy looked politely inquisitive. You see, your highness, the gnome went on to explain, he has eaten too heartily of gnome cake, and that, together with a goblet full of gnome watermelon juice, has caused him much inconvenience, as well as an entire change of form. No sooner had he finished speaking than the queen called the waterfall fairy, the brook fairy, and yet another, somewhat smaller, called Violet Water. Quickly, she said to them when they had assembled before her, make a dose of crystal nectar that this boy may drink and assume once more his natural shape. Move off, cried a shrill voice in Ned's ear, and looking up, he saw a snapdragon who seemed to be a sort of policeman for the fairies. How can you expect these ladies-in-waiting to fulfill their queen's commands if you stand there blocking the exit? Tell your friend to sit himself down and wait patiently, or it will take some time to brew the magic drink, said the queen to the gnome, who repeated her words to Ned. He was very glad indeed to rest, for not being accustomed to carrying so much weight on his young legs, he felt very weary and somewhat discouraged. However, relief was in sight, and following the suggestion of the good fairy, he threw himself down on a mossy bank and waited. Before long, the three fairies returned bearing between them a lily filled with white liquid. As they approached, the queen herself came forth from her crystal palace, followed by many of her subjects. Stepping up to where Ned lay, she said in a soft voice, Do not rise, for even now you are much too tall. I myself must pour this magic nectar upon your lips. So saying, she stepped lightly upon a stone close by and, bending forward, placed the lily to Ned's mouth. The next moment, he felt a strange sensation running through him and, looking down at his hands and feet, was delighted to see that they were becoming smaller and smaller. Though great was his delight, he did not forget his manners and turning to the little fairy said, 
How may I ever repay you for your great kindness? Indeed, he added, scarcely able to restrain the tears which came to his eyes. Whatever would my dear mother have thought that I returned to her in the form of a giant? Thank me no more, answered the fairy queen, for gladly will I do any favor for the boy who thinks of his mother first. In the future, should you need my help, hang this ring around a bluebird's throat and send him to me. And with these words, she placed a slender gold ring upon Ned's little finger. But how will I catch the bird, asked Ned, his curiosity aroused before he had time to think of thanking her small highness. Whistle three times upon a blade of grass, she answered, and the bird will fly to you. Then place the ring around his neck and bid him go quickly to the fairy queen of the lake. During all this time, Ned had been growing smaller and smaller. He had almost forgot this when his little friend the gnome exclaimed, There, you are your own self again. At which Ned turned to the queen and after thanking her again, ran quickly to the brook to assure himself that such was the case. So bidding farewell to his kind friend, the fairy queen, and her three ladies in waiting, he accompanied the gnome down the valley. After a while, the gnome turned to Ned and said, I must leave you for a while, but with the fairy queen's magic ring upon your finger, you will be safe from harm. Self-reliance is what all boys should practice. Therefore, travel for a few days alone. At the end of that time, I will join you. And with these words, the gnome disappeared. For a moment, Ned felt a wild desire to call him back. But with a shrug of his shoulder, he put away the thought and bravely set out in search of further adventure. He had gone but a short distance when he came to a magic axe, chopping away all by itself at one of the tallest trees. Good morning, Miss Axe, he said. Doesn't it tire you to be chopping away all alone there at that old tree? Not at all, my son. Put me in your knapsack and I will make you famous. Picking up the axe, Ned placed it in his knapsack and set off once more. After a while, he came to a place where the road was hollowed out of a mass of solid rock. And here in the distance, he heard a sharp noise like that of iron striking against stone. Some giant must be breaking rocks away up there, he said to himself, and climbed up the mountain. When he reached the top of the high rock, he found a magic pickaxe, all alone by itself, digging away at the hard stone as if it were soft clay. Every time that wonderful pickaxe struck a blow, it went more than a foot into the rock. 
Good morning, Miss Pickaxe, said Ned. Doesn't it tire you to be digging alone out here, hollowing away at that old rock? Not at all, my little man. Put me in your knapsack and I will make you famous. Ned picked up the pickaxe and placing it in his knapsack. Again, he went on. After a while, he came to a brook, which he followed up the hillside. The farther he went, the smaller it grew, until finally it ended in a little nutshell, from which this tiny stream began its journey down the mountain. Good morning, Miss Spring, said Ned. Doesn't it tire you to be gushing away all alone by yourself in your little corner? Indeed it does, my little man. Put me in your knapsack and I will make you famous. Ned picked up the little nutshell and plugged it up with moss, placed it carefully in his knapsack with the magic axe and the magic pickaxe. After some time, he came to a king's palace. Now, although it was a magnificent palace, everyone living there looked perfectly miserable. For one morning, without the least warning, an immense oak tree had sprung up with leaves and branches so thick that they shut out all the sun from all the windows, making the castle as dark as night. Of course, in those days, there was no gas and electricity. And although the king had commanded that candles be made as high as barber poles, they spluttered and often went out when the wind blew. All the woodcutters in the kingdom had tried to cut down this tree, but its bark was so tough that it turned the edge of every ax. And for every branch that was cut off, two instantly grew in its place. At last, the king had offered three bags of gold to anyone who would rid him of this troublesome oak tree. Now, this was not the only trouble that bothered the poor king. For although the surrounding country was rich in springs and brooks, the royal gardens were dry as the Sahara Desert. And although the king had also promised three bags of gold to anyone who would dig a well, no one had yet been able to dig deeper than a foot, as the palace was built on a rock of solid granite. Each day the king grew more angry, but of course that did no good. At last, calling a poet of his kingdom, he asked him what should be done. Running his fingers through his long curly hair, Poet thought a while. Then, summoning the royal carpenter, ordered him to make an immense sign, on which, when finished, the wise poet printed. To him who cuts my oak tree down, I'll give him three bags of gold. But he who fails shall give his life and help the king's plan unfold. But what good will that poem do, asked the king. It will keep your royal highness from being irritated by this endless sound of chop, 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 replied the poet. 
I believe every man in your kingdom has had a hack at the tree. Now whoever reads this sign will first make sure his axe is a good one. Very well, replied the king, have the sign nailed on this dreadful tree and we will see what happens. As soon as Ned arrived at the castle, he bowed politely to the king, who happened to be standing nearby with all his courtiers. Ha ha ha, laughed the king as Ned read the sign. Do you too wish to lose your ears? At which all the courtiers laughed heartily. The first time in many months that anybody in the castle had laughed, or even smiled for that matter. I can but try, answered Ned bravely, and opening his knapsack, took out his magic axe. Standing it up with the handle leaning against the enchanted tree, he stepped back a few feet and shouted, chop, chop, chop. At once, the axe began to chop, now right, now left, and up and down. And in an incredibly short time, that immense tree was cut to bits. It took only a quarter of an hour, and yet there was such a huge pile of wood that the whole court needed nothing else to burn for a whole year. But when Ned asked the king for the three bags of gold, the stingy old monarch said, before I give you the reward, you must perform another task. What is it, asked Ned. You must dig me a well so I may have plenty of water, answered the king. And that is the end of this part. Good night. Sleep tight. <laughs>